Hi, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt, here with Elder Daniel. You're a pastor there, right? Yeah, at least it said so on the bulletin, so I think I can go by that. Okay, that's good. Uh, so, I feel like when I say Elder Daniel, I think of a different denomination. Oh, well then let's say pastor. Then yeah. We have to stay within the Baptist circle. That's right. You know, yeah. You can't get too crazy. You no. Know. Uh, we're, we are here to discuss Sunday's sermon, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and you titled the sermon, God's Design for Leadership in His Church. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. I mean, it probably didn't take you too long to come up with a title, did it? No, thankfully I didn't have to <laughs> rack, my, rack my brain for too long because, one, it was qualifications for an elder in the, at the beginning of this section. Right. But also, when you're just reading through the text, like I mentioned yesterday, that's that's the priority that Paul is giving to Titus in this section. He wants him to set up elders, and then it's really just a snapshot of what the, the heart of an elder should look like. Well, um, I'm going to read through our text, and then we'll go through it, uh, your four points, mm-hmm. and uh, find some application, some thoughts. So here we go. Um, verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradicted. Right, your first point was Titus. Titus's devotion to the mission. Um, any just first take thoughts, maybe uh, on this first point? Yeah, and I think the reason that I drew that is because of once again how I uh, kind of drew attention to that part. Just the first few words where he said, "This is why I left you," mm-hmm. and kind of emphasizing the fact that both Paul and Titus were so committed to the mission that it was okay, and even they both intentionally settled on the fact that Paul would go ahead to wherever he was going to go, and that Titus was so devoted to the mission. The cool thing is that, is that Titus had been hanging around with Paul for some time. Um, he had been his example in Galatians 2 uh, of a Gentile who did not need to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. So he had been hanging around him for a period of time, and like I said, it would have been easy for Paul to have left him, I think, just emotionally. And you can see that even by the end of the letter, he's saying, hey, I can't wait till you come to me again yeah. until I get to see you. But just kind of starting out with Titus being left, he was prepared, he was ready, and he was devoted to the mission at hand. And kind of yeah. like this this thread that runs throughout Titus yeah. is that God doesn't lie. He's going to fulfill the work that he has promised to do. And Titus is there standing in faith ready to walk in the steps that his spiritual father, Paul, um, has walked in also. Yeah, and I think you just you said it, and you said it in your sermon, uh, they saw the mission as more important than themselves. Mm-hmm. That kind of really stuck away from that point. Is you maybe, because obviously the direct application here is elders, right, mm-hmm. or him appointing elders, Titus' mission there, yeah. to put what remained in order. Is there, is there maybe application for, you know, your ordinary church member? Like yep. putting the mission more, you know, is there any maybe thoughts that come to your mind there? Absolutely, and I was, and I tried to at least touch on it a little bit yesterday, addressing more broadly right. the entire congregation. But I think especially us here in America, mm-hmm. like we can get 
so used to our comfort in the culture that we live in, and church is something we come to, and even sometimes in a negative context, it's something I do on Sunday, and maybe even Wednesday night, right. and then I have the rest of my week, but just kind of, I wanted everybody to think of, not that the Lord calls everybody to full-time ministry, not by any stretch of the imagination, but just yeah. in our daily lives, in our conversations, with right. our co-workers, with our family or friends that we might see at holidays, right. to see that the mission of Jesus is more important than the comfort that I might experience in my day-to-day -day interaction with, with others, i.e. Yeah. bringing up the gospel, yeah. bringing up maybe just a small point of hopeful conversation that might seem uncomfortable at first, mm -hmm. but could be for the benefit of someone's soul. So whether it's conversation in a small way or just being willing. I think yeah. that's the whole thing. A lot of times it's, it's, am I willing to take a step of faith if the Lord calls me there? And mm -hmm. am I not clinging to what comfort level I'm at, but here at the church, here in my town, yeah. in, my, in the country, and even abroad, if the Lord wants me to go somewhere, yeah. am I willing to lay down my life and say, you know what, the mission of the gospel and how fast this life goes, it's such a vapor. Lord, I want you to use my life in such a way that I'm focused on your mission and the spread of the gospel more than a set of things in my mind that I think I'm, I need to achieve in this life in order for me to have it all together. Yeah, I think sometimes we don't realize the water we're swimming in. Like our culture and our, just even we're, we're as our living is just, as a whole, better off than most people in the world. Yeah. I mean, air conditioning or air, uh, indoor plumbing, you know, things yes. that we often take for granted. Yeah. And to say, like, we don't realize when something comes up, maybe from the spirit, that we put it down because it means not doing what we want yeah. or maybe it's less comfortable than we are ho hoping for. And I just thought it was really good, just the application because sometimes we don't realize, like, we're saying no to things, not because it's right in front of the Lord, but it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, and even in, with the example here of Titus, Paul, I don't think it's Paul's intention for Titus to stay on this island forever. Mm -hmm. Because even, once again, by the end of the the book, yeah. he's implying that he would come to him. Yeah. He just wants him to be ready. And isn't that so much the, the way that the Lord works with us with, like, it's one step in front of the other. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, trust me to do this. Obey me here today, yeah. and it's and the Lord doesn't give us a five-year plan right. or a ten-year plan, but it's those small incremental steps of cultivating our heart. Even with with this list, like I said yesterday, it's not it's not the list of just an elder. Mm -hmm. All of these heart attributes are what the heart of any Christian and any believer should right. look like. So at the very beginning, being humble and submitting ourselves to the will of the Lord, and just like Romans twelve putting myself on the altar every day mm. and saying, Lord, I think this is what you are leading me in. Mm -hmm. But if, and, and if it is, then bless it. But if not, Lord, I'm yours today. Yeah. And every single day walking in faith in that capacity. Yeah, maybe it's just application for you, for you all listening. Ask yourself that question. Is there something that the Lord has asked me to put on the altar that maybe I'm hesitant to do because of my own comfort? I thought that was really good. Um, and then you kind of, Transi transitioned into this uh, importance of plurality of elders and his design, and um, which important. I mean, we can talk about that. We can, but we also go into you know, you kind of you would say the first qualification that he gives here, and your second point: may, uh, men devoted to their families. Right? If you're going to be an elder, 
first you said you you said this. You don't think it's by accident that he mentions this first? What 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 were you thinking? When you, you know when you're coming across that? Yeah, twofold. I don't think it's by accident that he mentions look for his home first mm. because that's really the way the model and the template and the breeding ground, so to speak, that a man can model his heart for shepherding. Yeah. Like when you're looking around the body and you're looking around to see what men might qualify to be elders, mm -hmm. the perfect example, if once again, if they have children and if they're married, is to see how they treat their wife. Yeah. Is to see how they treat their children. Yeah. But also, so one is, is the fact that it's the, it's a, it's like an automatic example of what it might look like if you take his shepherding abilities and his qualities and like maybe transplant them, kind of maybe superimpose them and see what they might look like on the, on the flock. But mm -hmm. then secondly, like I said, in the realm of moral and like sexual purity, I don't think it's by accident. And then Paul said that a man must be devoted to his wife. Mm -hmm. He must be blameless in the category of devotion. And mm -hmm. I think, if a man is going to model what it means like to be Christ and love his church, yeah. he has to model what it means like to love his wife in that capacity mm -hmm. first. And so seeing a man's devotion, once again, like going back to five, in his humbleness and his readiness to serve. Yeah. And then in verse six, just pay special note about how he is devoted to the one whom God has given him to be the object of his affections. Yeah. I think it's an intentional starting point that the Spirit gives and kind of branches out from that. Then we see what it looks like in his family first yeah. and then eventually within his own heart. Yeah, I think for, you know, just, I hate to say but Bible nerds, you know, just kind of seeing the connections and yeah. you get so excited, you know, but like, yeah, Ephesians 5, right? Exactly. It's the Ephesians picture of the 5. gospel, you know, how you love your church. And then all of a sudden you see this is one of the, the, the first qualification he mentions when becoming an elder. Why? Because the gospel is kind of centered of all of it. And there's not by accident. Yes. Just kind of, and you're just kind of like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> exactly. And, so, like, and, and that's great. And that's 100% right. Like in Ephesians 5, you see that mutual submission of husband and wife that I'm supposed to submit to my wife. She's supposed to submit to me. So there's that symbiotic relationship going on. Mm -hmm. So we can, you should look at how that's working right. first. And then when you get to the church, it's the same right. kind of relationship. Elders, going back. lay down your lives as Christ has laid down his church. Submit to your elders as exactly. the body. You kind of see that connection there. Yeah. So like as a safeguard, yeah. even if you're looking around and you see that right off the bat, there's a hiccup with that aspect. Yeah. It would give you cause for concern. Or on the flip side, it would give you reason to proceed yeah. with looking at this man. That's good. That's good. And you also mentioned as a kind of a caveat, while this is seemed like the first thing, you said it's not necessarily, you don't have to be married. Yeah. You don't have to have children. Yep. Do you have any, like, maybe wisdom for someone who's like, I'm single, but like, I want to go in ministry? Like... Any thoughts there? Absolutely. Well, first of all, like I said yesterday, Paul was a great example of someone who was single, and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 7 about using that singleness for the glory of God. Yeah. Just because you are not in a married relationship, mm -hmm. that does not mean that you are deficient. Yeah. Christ himself is an example of that. We have a great friend who has been a missionary for 35 years that was a friend that grew up with Jen's family mm -hmm. who is in his mid-50s and has labored and has served the Lord faithfully, and he has mm -hmm. never been married. But yet his heart 
would yeah. absolutely fall into this category. That's why, like, even with this list, you have to be very careful that you're not too wooden in the structures to make sure that someone would fit into all of the slots. Yeah. But that, once again, if he is in this, if he is in that type of relationship, and I think for maybe particularly for Paul, when he's telling Titus, most of the men that would have either been in the bodies or been in the churches yeah. would have probably been married anyway. Just so that they, time period in general. They yeah. would have been, I think, maybe a little bit older and would have been in this phase of life. But in no way, shape, or form does I think it do, do I think that it restricts once again. But yeah, if you're if you're single and the Lord has placed you there, first of all, rejoice yeah. because God is sovereign and God knows what He's doing. Mm. And two, realize that if you're and I think it would maybe it would it would look somewhat different because you wouldn't have a wife, but you would treat your sisters in the church mm -hmm. with love and respect, and you would shepherd them the same way that you would shepherd that a married person would shepherd yeah. any woman outside of his wife. Yeah. So I think I think it I think it's very very simple, and even with the children that he loves the children that he relates and and uh, and loves them well and appropriately, mm -hmm. and so I think you could still very easily take the heart that is being talked about yeah. here and see what that would look like for a single man as well. And identifying those things. Like, oh, you may be an elder, even though you're not you know, married and have yes. kids. Like, I can see those characteristics yes. in you, even from, you know, not, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think probably that something I would kind of encourage is if you're single, you don't necessarily have to be a part of a family to live this out. Mm -hmm. Like you said, to your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So yeah. like, the qualities that you would want to see in a husband... Right, you know that's not permission to not say you know I'm gonna lay down my life for my brothers and sisters in Christ. You yeah. know, like I think that's really good. Like I think often, like in my mind, I'm, I mean, I guess part of the, the Pharisee in me, like I'm looking for the loopholes. You know? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, especially who is my neighbor? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's why even in the context of a singleness, it's that a single person is in no way deficient because they come to the body of Christ. And they can come and love and submit themselves once again to the elders and to all of the and, and to the other church members in love the same way that I I submit to, to myself to Jen and she submits herself to me in the love category. Yeah. So that's why there's something beautiful and unique and specific even within the within the body that affords someone who is single to exercise that gift um, yeah. in front of both. The leaders and the Lord. Yeah, that's good. And then your third point, men devoted to holiness. And we see this kind of, you said the characteristic is 7, 8 of like, uh, don't be this. Yeah. Be this. Mm -hmm. I thought that was uh, really good. But some, a couple of things, really two main things I wanted to mention here. He goes from elder to overseer. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason for the, the change in the language there? Not really. I mean, in the New Testament, elder, overseer, pastor, bishop, it's the same primary word. It's, mm -hmm. it's the same primary term, the same primary idea. Okay. Um, so he's not meaning two different things here. He's not he's meaning two different things. He's okay. not meaning two different offices. It's one continuous thought. Okay. Because, and I think some translations, even going back to verse 6, the ESV says, if anyone is above reproach, some others, because they know the context of what's being talked about, they just go ahead and imply that it's the elder, mm. if an elder. But yeah, it's the same office that's being talked about okay. throughout that's good. Uh, and then you hi you wanted to highlight um, two things, the the arrogant in seven mm -hmm. and then holy in eight. So I'm going to give you the option here. 
do you want to talk more on why you wanted to highlight those or is there other words in there that you want to talk about but you feel like there wasn't enough time for the sermon that you actually i'd like to talk about some other ones okay. <laughs> i mean i was all i was already pressed for time right. but um those were just two particularly important words that i wanted mm-hmm. to draw one from the negative list and one from the positive right but i think when you look at the other words it paints um a fuller picture. And once again, even with this list here, it's not exhaustive. Mm-hmm. This is for someone who's walking in the spirit and what their life should be characterized for what they don't do. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, for what they do. But just looking at those, that he can't be quick tempered. It can't be someone who flies off the handle. Yeah. I, I think maybe in some other ones, it, put, it, it says bully. They can't be someone who is hmm. looking for a fight. Yeah. And I think this that idea really kind of goes to where in other parts of scripture, Paul is talking about don't fight over endless genealogies and things yeah. that don't really matter. Right. And so it's someone who, if you conversely had that idea, someone who's charitable. Right. Someone who, on the primary issues, you you fight. And like down in verse 9, you cling to what is good and what is fast. But if there's secondary issues, yeah. especially with brethren, mm-hmm. that you can disagree on, mm-hmm. then you're not quick to try to, f- to, try to stir up strife, but yeah. you want to hold the bonds of peace and be kind to those who might disagree. Yeah, and usually, you know, not to say like, just maybe as a broad stroke, like blanket statement, right? You tend to be more on the side of like, you enjoy the intricacies of the scriptures and like the doctrines and, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. like to study those things. Yep. Have you find though that, um, you know, maybe people who discuss those things, that can be a temptation? Like, to go from like let's discuss to like I'm really just wanting to argue with someone you know Absolutely. about things. Well, it's so funny because it must be something that the Lord's been wanting to refine in me particularly over the last month or so because right. I've been in multiple conversations. One of the most exhausting things that I think, especially in the last year or so, mm. with our culture and just different topics that have come up, is that it's so easy that if on a secondary issue, meaning a non-essential issue to the gospel and to, to, to doctrine, yeah. if I disagree just slightly from someone, then what my brain is, because I was just, I grew up listening to certain preaching that was just absolutely for the truth and doctrine, and that's good, but sometimes it can breed a critical spirit. It can breed a spirit that says, okay, I'm over here and I'm right, and you're right. over there and you're wrong. So I think the Lord's had to continue to do a refining work in me to say, the truth is so important, yeah. but it's also vitally important to separate any issue. And I think I think it's wonderful to have lively discussion mm-hmm. and lively debate, but always separating the person, most of all, if they're a brother or sister in Christ, have that be the foundation of every conversation. Right. Separate the person from the topic. Yeah. And being able to, in love, making sure that the love, the cords of love are what are guiding the conversation, but saying, you know what, I hear you, I disagree, and I think this is why. It's yeah. just a different approach, because like you were saying, so often the lines get blurred, yeah. and, if I, and if I think that you're thinking differently than me, mm-hmm. then I can think and assume wrongly that because you're thinking X, then yeah. you must be in Y, which is way outside, and I can eventually push you outside the bounds of even right. orthodoxy, and that's not... That's yeah. not called for. Yeah, I just found myself, like, I, I, for a long time, I would say one of my hobbies was arguing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, well, yeah, you and I have gotten into yeah. some good ones before, too. And see, and you, I, you, I won those. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's up for debate. Um, but, and even there, I think, because 
because the nature of debate can like intrinsically be so passionate yeah. that it's so quick to like walk over a line that you don't realize where yeah. all of a sudden it's not the issue that you're that you're looking at it's the person that's gotten blended with that yeah. and the the real danger in in damage that can be done is when you walk away that's exactly what i was going to say when you walk away yeah. the impression of the person has fundamentally changed mm -hmm. and that is what's scary mm -hmm. and so as much and especially with the with what an elder should be and just and this once again should be all of us is that the love that we have in Jesus Christ is is just so overwhelming mm. and can just wash over any disagreement that I might have that when I walk away my view of that person hasn't changed. And yeah. I think that's so important. I think also when I when I walk away from maybe stuff, I had to check my heart. Is like in my heart yes. is is it, is it in a place where I'm now, you know, looking for a fight. Yep. You know? Because I mean it can be like you're just kinda in this combative <laughs> yeah. I walk away and my heart is still in that yeah. Kind of spirit. Well, it's that of, same thing of like, well, boy, I, I just read a book on this. I'm really amped up and I've got some bullets. I need to go use them somewhere. Well, I mean, like, I can't wait to get in an argument because I, I can really lay it. Yeah. See, that's why, like, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I have all knowledge, if I'm all puffed up, if I, if I have everything and I miss that important, vital right. element of love, yeah. then I'm allowed going and I'm, yeah. I'm nothing. Yeah, I, I would say just encouragement for. You know, our brothers and sisters who were saying, I'm, I'm passionate about doctrine. Yes. I love studying. Don't talk about what you're learning. I'd give it some time. Let it season, let it so there, because I mean, we can talk about this like um, with different doctrines. You kind of be in this caged stage where like, I'm learning, I'm learning, and I just want to you know, yeah. spill it. And it's like, you end up hurting the people than helping Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I would say this, like, don't never stop learning doctrine. Never, right. ever, ever care, stop caring about the truth. But maybe even be careful and, like, have <laughs> have a safe friend who is the same way, where the goal, because I have right. this for myself, where the goal is to know the Lord more, mm -hmm. but to always approach it in love once you're outside mm -hmm. of that conversation. Yeah, that's good. So that when you're going to someone, like I said, your view of the person hasn't changed. Yeah, that's good. Uh, your last point, uh, men devoted to the truth, uh, and you kind of right hold firm to it, and then the two applications, right, yeah. or your kind of maybe two sub points to give instruction and to rebuke. Uh, you know what? Maybe your main takeaways for this last point, or maybe some applications that you'd like to drive home. The main application is that, and I I kind of touched on this, but didn't well, I wasn't able to get into it is that you can never, ever, ever, ever negate the importance and reality of what the Word does. Meaning this, that when I pour into it, when I dive into it, when this becomes my bread for living spiritually, it works in me. I don't have to force and want to try to make it do the work that God, through His Spirit, will do in me. Right. And I think that's the point. When... Because when you look at verse 9, what the action is that this man is doing is he's clinging. Yeah. So he's going to this, and he's pouring himself in, and he's clinging tightly. Yeah. And then what I see... If, if you don't have a, we don't have video, but Dana's you know, just getting all the water out of his Bible. Right? <laughs> I was squeezing my Bible water, yes, but for visual effect, even though this is audio, which is fantastic. Um, but when you, when, you cling, when you cling tightly to the Word, mm -hmm. there's an effect... That happens, and I think that's what I see in those two verses: is that the man who shepherds God clings tightly to His Word, yeah. and in that action of clinging tightly, 
there's two actions that he is then prepared to do. Yeah. He is given the boldness by the Spirit to instruct, mm. but also the boldness that he he can't work up in, in, in and of himself. He's given the boldness to rebuke. Yeah. And even rebuke in love, because even as, you, as we'll get into the next number of verses with Pastor Keith next week, that even Paul, with, with his strong language towards these uh, people who are saying false things, he still has a hope that God would turn their thinking. Yeah. He hasn't completely resigned them. He hasn't completely resided them. Mm. So having love be the foundation of everything and having the scriptures be your basis for so much of your living and breathing in your life, that in that, God produces the boldness to both instruct what is right mm-hmm. and both to rebuke. And I think that's like it's the spiritual spine to stand up for the truth and in love herald and say, I love you. Mm. But what you're thinking is both dangerous and mm. wrong. Yeah, that was really good. Just, I mean, I think what I find in this verse as well is kind of what you're saying in the beginning, just the boldness to do these things, but also like the, um, you know, your ammo almost mm-hmm. because like I think especially just being pastoral ministry here at the church, you often feel how inadequate you are for the task given to you. Yeah, and I, I see that clinging to the text like. Please, you know, help. <laughs> I need. No, I can't do see, it. I need something. That's why what I mentioned yesterday. I yeah. mean, and see, so often, and especially in certain circles like Roman Catholicism, where there's a huge distinction between mm-hmm. the clergy mm-hmm. and like the lay, the the lay person. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can be further from the truth. The Lord, in His grace, calls ordinary men mm-hmm. to lead His church into love and what they do is they spend time with him and in that verse 9 they cling to his revelation and in so doing are clinging to Jesus yeah. who equips them for the task but it's yeah. not a one and done right. you as well as I know that we are clinging continually right. every week every day so that we would have the wisdom to shepherd and lead his people Because I think if you don't you're either a fool or you just don't understand what the Lord has called you to do. Because yep. there's those moments that happen often where you're like, how am I going to do this? You know, yes. you know, you're because we just see like, oh, we're supposed to be helping people. Like, I can't change hearts. That's you know, it. I can't, I can't That's fix people. You know, no. I, oh, they're coming with what they have this going on in their life. I'm going to pray for you. Why? Because <laughs> I can't do it. I have to ask That's the it. person who can do and it. And so you see this thread, like as he's looking for these particular yeah. men. It's that it's that Titus realizing that he's a conduit mm. of this word because the word will mm. do its perfect work. Yeah. We'll see that in chapter two with sound doctrine, and then at the end of chapter, and then during chapter three, where yeah. that doctrine works itself out and good works. So this is our closing, and you kind of already done this kind of as we've gone through. But like, what might this text say to a woman or a man not called to be an elder? Sure, you know, like what is it for? I can't even write where you said the clinging to. Like we all, hopefully, are seeing this in our life of. Man, I can't do what the Lord has called me to do. I need His Word. I need prayer. Is there any other anything else in this text of like you would say to that person? Yeah, I mean, one, just remember that an elder is only one specific role within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That that's one particular spot of shepherding. All believers mm-hmm. are called to walk by the Spirit in holiness. Mm-hmm. All believers are called to disciple others mm-hmm. and one another. All disciples, or uh, excuse me, all Christians should come alongside and in the appropriate context shepherd each other. So it's not like, even when we're looking at the elder role, it's not like the elder is the only one who does these actions ever. Mm -hmm. Other believers within our church, what 
what the model is, is that you have these men being a pattern mm-hmm. for the behavior that ultimately all Christians should follow. Yeah. It's just in a very unique, specific sense, the Lord has given these elders the oversight of the entire body mm-hmm. yeah. to where they're calling them to once again, like I said yesterday, imitate me, do what I'm doing, mm-hmm. both here in the church and out and abroad. So I would say that the brothers and sisters who are listening, please like I said yesterday, pray for your elders, pray for us, but also be busy about the work of the ministry. The Lord wants you doing the same labor, the same um, ministry that we would be doing in your homes, yeah. with your children, with those at your work. He wants you witnessing for Christ so that you can be a conduit of His grace to all that He might take you and yeah. uh, whoever's path He might put you in. Yeah, and I think you never want to come across a subject in Scripture and say, oh, I don't need to know this. Yeah. Because I, I mean, think of as an ordinary church member. Um, an elder, especially in the Baptist, becomes an elder because the church yes. votes. And you you may be in a situation yeah. in a few years and whenever, oh, we're voting on elder. What should I look like? And hopefully you can go to the Scriptures. Yeah. But also you can see the elders in our church now and say, okay, there I see the scriptures kind of lived out of this is what a, a good elder looks like. They, they cling fast to the scriptures. They're living holy lives. They're loving their family. So when you go and say, you see this person being, you know, maybe nominated within your church, and you're, you're, you've moved away, say, oh, I have to vote elder. And you're like, something's off here. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. the keys are given to the church. And so yes. why is it important for us to know this? Because you may be in a church plant, you may go on the mission field, you may move away somewhere and say, oh, it's time to elect elders. Yep. Well, who's going to do that? There aren't elders to elect elders. <laughs> it's, it's the church's responsibility. You know, even having Galatians, right? Yep. He's rebuking them for these false teachers. Who does he rebuke? The church. He says, yep. he says Galatia, how could you do this? Not elders of Galatia, right? Galatians, I think there should be a responsibility weight on us for that. Amen. And I would just echo that in closing the fact of because uh, because we're Baptists and because we believe the authority is within the, within the congregation, that by definition tells you and commands you to pay attention to this text. Mm-hmm. Because if you see an elder or a shepherd starting to not behave like mm-hmm. an elder or a shepherd, you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You have a duty to go to action and you would want to go about the proper sources, like you said, yeah. whether it's here or in another location. So it is absolutely vital and critical, mm-hmm. not just for their own personal walk, but for the health of the church. And ultimately, for the glory of Christ. Amen. Would you pray us out, Daniel? I'd love to. Dear Father, thank you so much for your grace. God, we are just so grateful for the way that you have designed your church, Lord. Thank you for your bride. God, I just thank you so much for what a privilege it is to be an elder here at Park Baptist Church and just to shepherd and love the congregation here. I just pray, Lord, that as we were just talking about, and Lord, I would pray for all who are listening, who are church members here at Park and just beyond, God, I pray that they would realize that they too have a responsibility to walk in holiness, to walk blameless within the context of their family and their relationship with you, and also, Lord, that they have a duty to monitor those who watch over your flock. Lord, may all that we do, like we just said, ultimately point to the gospel and bring glory and honor to Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.